Mike, good to have you. Hopefully you're enjoying your day. Certainly appreciate you being here. Bill Michael Show. Continuing on, moving into the next hour, and our guy from the Green Bay Press-Gazette now joining us. That is Pete Doherty. Pete, how you been, pal? Appreciate you joining us. Uh, doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, the offseason has so far been pretty good to us. I can't complain too much, but uh, now it's just a weird year, isn't it? It's just... It's different. Uh, no Rodgers. You start to walk into that locker room. You look off to your right. Uh, it's not there anymore. And now it's the Jordan Love Show. So as all things are equal and as we stand here today, you tell me, what, what do you make of this team thus far? It is, yeah, it is so different. Um, it just, uh, it's kind of been Groundhog's Day for the last decade, basically, right? With these guys, you know, it's kind of the same, same thing every year to one degree or another. Uh, I don't know what to make of them other than they're going to be super young. Um, they've added some, what appears to be some talent from this last draft with all those uh, higher picks. And I'm just really curious to see how this offense looks, you know, obviously with the new quarterback and all these young receivers and tight ends. The, uh, the Let's start with the offense. Jordan Love, obviously, he's an X-factor, but... It's a veteran offensive line. It's veteran, you know, you know, backfield. But with the tight ends and the wide receivers you had mentioned, do you think they've got enough uh, there to consistently move the football? And then how incumbent is it upon Joe, uh, Matt LaFleur to put all of these guys in one to a rhythm and two in the right positions at the right place at the right time to be consistent and have success? Yeah, I would think they have enough unless they just missed really badly on all those uh, second, third round picks in this draft. I mean, you know, Watson and Dobbs, that's a really good starting point, I think, for receiving. I mean, Watson was a difference maker once he got healthy last year as a rookie. And Dobbs just, he looked pretty good from, you know, the first day of training camp. And, you know, he comes across, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him or not or observe him, but when he would have a bad day in camp uh, last year, he would just he would sit at his locker. He would be so down you would have thought he just lost the Super Bowl. You know, I think he takes his craft really seriously and wants to be good, which is a good sign. So I think those guys are a two is a really good starting point as long as they stay healthy for a receiving core. Uh, I would assume it's going to be really up and down. You know, there's going to be some plays with these younger guys where it looks really good, and then there's going to be some really bad mistakes where guys don't know what they're doing or they misread each other, and so I you know. I still have to think Love is going to throw his share of interceptions and have his strip sacks, uh, fumbles, and all that stuff. But um, you know, it, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to watch, and you know, we'll I guess we'll find out in the next year. You know, did Brian Gutekunst make the did he evaluate properly and when he traded to pick uh, traded up to pick Jordan Love? So uh, now that we've got pretty much all of that offense set and we know there's some depth, we do they need a veteran wide receiver? We were talking about this yesterday. There's some speculation about them maybe getting a quarterback, maybe getting a veteran wide out. What do you think they need more in your opinion? If I were them, I'd rather have the veteran quarterback, especially, you know, you know with Rodgers, they drafted two quarterbacks that, that first year he was going to be a starter, Brom and uh, Flynn. Um, so, you know, I could kind of see not add, adding a veteran there, but, you know, all they've got is, you know, the late pick and um, undrafted guys. So 
If I were them, I'd rather have the veteran quarterback just as a calming presence, you know, and somebody to def- to befriend love and to help him along. It I think it helps to have a a player who's been through it and can kind of help coach him as well as you know a coach who's what forty years older than he is. So I'd, I'd rather have um, the, the the backup quarterback. They don't have much money to work with, so. I don't even know if there's enough money for, for both of those to bring in a veteran receiver, too. But um, I'd be okay just throwing all those young receivers out there if I were them. You know, um, I, we were talking about this yesterday and whether or not the importance of a veteran wide receiver is even necessary or a veteran quarterback. Because if you lose love, your your season's, for the most part, you would assume is pretty much down the tubes anyway. I can't believe I'm saying that because if you do bring in a veteran quarterback, who maybe plays better than, you know, I don't want to say the rookie, but the guy getting his first real start under center, I, I, I can understand the logic there. I, I guess, do you need another vet to help these young guys wide receiver-wise? to Because you don't have to really get on the same page with Jordan Love because there is no page. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm sure, like, you know, if they had their druthers, yeah, they'd, I think you would want to have one veteran in there. Just a, just a guy even if he's the, you know, the fifth or sixth guy or seventh guy, just to show guys, you know, what it takes to be a pro, how to practice, all that, you know. Um, but you don't want a guy who's also going to take away, you know, reps from a younger guy who's who's improving. And they really, I mean, they basically could only afford a minimum wage guy. So I don't know, can you find a six-year veteran who's going to take the minimum i mean guys who are who are hanging around that long are probably good enough to get paid more than that so i'm not sure there's anybody out there who fits the description who would be who would be worth it there might be um i would still rather have the quarterback than receiver you can make an argument for both for either if they had their druthers i'm sure they'd do both i just i'm just not sure they can spend the money on it defensively speaking now uh you know joe barry did his best to kind of deflect the, hey, by the way, you have eight first-round draft choices because obviously two of them are banged up right now. But how much better is this defense going to be, do you think? Because I, in my opinion, they got to be close to top ten if they're going to support an offense that's finding its way. Oh, yeah, I think they are got to be in the top ten. I mean, I thought last year after the, all the moves they made, what they had done, you know, the second half of the previous season, I thought they were going to be a top-five defense last year. Couldn't have been more wrong. They were right in the middle of the pack. Um, so I, I don't, you know, they're kind of, in my eyes, they're, they're guilty till proven, till proven innocent. So I don't know. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, not having Gary at the start of the year will probably hurt. It's going to take him a while to get into, um, you know, to get into playing shape, uh, to where, you know, he's in really good form and, and making a difference. Uh, but yeah, I would agree completely if they're going to be a 500 team or better, you know, with this young quarterback, they've got to be a really good defensive team. So the defensive front, uh, you've got Devontae White, who at the end of the season last year flashed. And I know you guys, uh, you watched the film with Eric Baranchek, and I thought, boy, if he can take that next step, if Quay Walker can take that next step, they've got a decent rotation of bodies. They get anything out of T.J. Slayton or any of the guys they just drafted because they play nickel most of the time anyway with only two down linemen. That could go from a weakness to somewhat of a force if they're good at stopping the run, as Ben alluded to numerous times. Yeah, you know, just if you think about it, the difference between being, you know, good and not so good, that can be just a a couple players, one or two players. I mean, look at last year with Watson and Nixon, the second half of the season, the Packers were a 
a pretty decent team with both of those guys before that, you know, before Nixon was returning kicks and before when Watson, before Watson returned from his injury, you know, th- this was a, not a very good team. So it's all it takes is a couple guys on either side of the ball. So if Wyatt makes the kind of jump you're talking about, that alone could make a, could make a big difference. It's funny, you know, uh, early in the year, cause he was only playing what, like five or six snaps a game. Mm-hmm. And I could kind of, I was like, I could see why they're not playing him because there would be one or two run plays where he'd just get blown out of there. And right. uh, so I was thinking, yeah, I understand why they're not playing him. But when they had, when they were forced to play him, you know, down the stretch last season because uh, Lowry got hurt, uh, he played pretty well. So I wonder if they, in the end, they probably made a mistake in not force-feeding Wyatt onto the field early in the season. They might have had a guy who was helping them more, you know, from November on if they would played him early. The uh, the secondary. Do you like the pickups at safety? I you know I don't know how you can really think they're you know maybe they get lucky and they they stumble onto somebody just like they have at other positions you know in the past couple of years and signing these uh, bargain guys. But uh, chances are a lot better. It's just going to be you know I mean who knows who's going to come out of training camp as the uh, starting safety opposite mm-hmm. Savage and we know the issues he had last year so. Uh, if I were them, I'd be pretty concerned about the safety position overall. Yeah. Um, now, how do you think they're going to use Savage? Because last year, Savage found his way into the doghouse and then came out, and then there was some discussion inside the locker room that maybe there's some other things going along off the field that they weren't happy with or maybe that he was dealing with. And then on the field, he gets used differently at the end of the season and starts to play a little bit better. So where do you think they're going to use him? You know, I've really thought they might move him to the nickel guy, and they're not doing that. Keyshawn Nixon's going to start camp as their nickel guy. So I think they're. it sure looks to me like they're going to play him like a regular safety. I do like to have the speed in the middle of the field, but, you know, to, to for the range sideline to sideline on the deep balls. But um, I'm just not sure that's his strength as far as, you know, reading those things, playing the ball in the air. He's not the greatest at playing the ball in the air. So, I don't know. If I were them, I'd try to get him closer to the line of scrimmage as much as possible. But the premise of this defense is you stop the run with as few with as few guys as possible, and you try to keep your both your safeties deep so then you can do more uh, double-teaming and coverage. Did you like what you heard out of Joe Barry yesterday? I don't know that I heard anything different than, you know, what he, what he's always said and um, – it's it's all just it's all noise, you know. He's uh, he's Mr. Positive. He's Mr. All these players are great and everything's you, you know really good and we're, you know they're going to be good and expectations are high. But all that matters is what how they play on the field and um, you know like I said after last season you know maybe they'll be a good defensive team this year. They got pieces for sure. I think there's potential there, but I mean for me they're they're guilty until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like overall on paper what they have. Now, the two biggest question marks are going to be, can Stokes come back from that ankle injury? And then at what point and how effective will he be when Sean Gary comes back from that ACL? I mean, at least you have Van S who can kind of, you can massage in with Engabari and company and play office in Preston Smith. But your secondary, you're kind of relying upon Stokes to come back and, and be that counter, aren't you, a little bit? You know, it's funny. Um, I think they, the one thing, at least, I think they learned from last season is that Douglas is not a nickel guy. So I don't think they have any plans to move Douglas to nickel whenever Stokes is ready to go. So it sure looks to me 
like they're going to rotate Alexander Stokes and Douglas on the outside, and Keyshawn Nixon is going to be their their nickel guy at least when all those guys are healthy. Um, so you know, I'm just not. I think it'll be a matchup thing and a game plan thing, you know, depending on the speed at receiver, and mm-hmm. it'll be a way to get guys some rest during during games. You know, that the starting outside guys. Um, but I'm not sure his impact is going to be as big as we would have thought when they took him in the first round. And part of that is Douglas ended up being a good player, but also that Douglas isn't a slot guy and Stokes isn't a slot guy. And I don't think they want to put Alexander in the slot a lot either. So what are they going to do in the slot? Nixon's it, it sure sounds like Nixon's their guy. Um, well, he played a decent amount of it last year because of injuries and it's, you know, from what they said at the draft. And then uh, this week, it sounds like he's going to be, He's getting first shot at that nickel job, and I think they're assuming that he's going to hold it. Is there depth there? I mean, I, like you said, no. I mean, if, if Rasul's not the guy and, and Stokes isn't back and, you know, you've got Jair on the outside, you don't have a lot of depth there then, do you? No, I mean, you know, they get an injury, then, of course, they can move, you know, Douglas or Alexander in there, and, you know, they'll be kind of, they'll be okay, but you don't, you want to be better than okay. You know, the way they describe it, and I've heard other coaches say this too, is the nickel position is just such a specific position. Uh, it's different than the outside to know all the assignments to the way you play guys, you know, cause they got the two way go. A guy can go, you know, to either sideline where if they're lining up outside, there's not much room on the outs, you know, to the, to the, to the side that they're on, there's not much room there. Uh, so it's, it's just a totally different position than playing outside corner. So they want someone who's playing there, all the time, and that's their only job, so they know their assignments inside and out. So they want one guy to do that. They don't want to be moving, bouncing guys around at all. Uh, so how, I, it, oh, sure, it sure sounds like Nixon's the guy. So how, uh, you know, I guess when you put Savage in and whatever other safety absolutely, you know, actually makes the makes the, the grade to start, do you, do you, I can't imagine you're just playing straight out two safeties, too safety high. I mean, w- what is the best position? And going back to the Savage question, if Savage isn't going to roll up on guys inside slot, then where does Savage go that he's utilized the best? Yeah, I- I'm curious to say, and they're not going to tell us. You know, they they don't reveal right. stuff in the off season because they don't want you know teams who are doing their game planning now for the first month of the season. They don't want them to know. Um, so I'm curious too because. I don't, I mean, maybe in dime, but they don't play dime very often. Maybe in dime, right. they'll bring Savage up to the slot. But, you know, the, one of the, I mean, one of the premises of this, you know, this daily defense is you, you want to keep both safeties back, if at all possible, so you can do all sorts of combo coverages. And, but to do that, you need to be able to stop the run with six guys. So as long as they're stopping the run okay. I'm guessing they're going to play Savage deep more often than not, but maybe they have different plans. And, um, you know, that's one of their, one of their big projects of the off season. And maybe we'll see something different than we, we saw last year. Hey Pete, real quick, before I let you go special teams, we know Keyshawn Nixon's going to be returning the kicks. Jaden Reed, could he be returning punts or somebody else? And then obviously the kicking situation, it's, uh, you know, for as much as we talk about the loss of, you know, Rogers and Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard, it, it is somewhat, uh, you know, unceremonial for Mason Crosby to just very quietly ride off into the sunset if they find themselves another kicker. It, it, it's a little sad, but it's also points. It's also a pretty dramatic change. And Keyshawn Nixon flipped the field numerous times in the second half of the season last year that really benefited them during that four-game win streak. So 
for as much as we poo-poo special teams, it, it's important, man. Oh, I Nixon. Was Nixon and Watson are the guys that turned around their season, the Packers season last year, that second half of the season. That's huge. Um, I would guess as long as – I would think as long as he's catching the ball well, they'll want him to do it. But, you know, if he's their nickel guy, he's going to be out there all the time on defense. I mean, they play nickel 80% of the snaps, 80 or more percent. Right. Um, so maybe they do want to have the, the rookie return on the punt. I, I can only assume they're going to have Nixon back there in the kickoffs. I mean, he is a right. really – really good kickoff returner he looked pretty good on punts too but he has less experience doing that and yeah. so maybe they just to get him a little rest i'll have the rookie do it all right bud great stuff appreciate the insight and we will talk again real soon okay sounds good bill thanks for having me all right buddy talk to you soon there you go pete doherty the green bay press gazette a really good breakdown and that's when you bring up that secondary, you think, okay, Savage was good when they ran certain defenses and he was actually playing like a slot. And so if Nixon's going to be your slot, unless you go to dime, you know, now again, maybe Darnell Savage, you know, finds himself this year and plays a much better safety overall, but it seemed like he kind of got pigeonholed into that last year. So, and he played it well at the end of the season, don't get me wrong, but. Man, it's uh, there's a lot of guys that can play specific positions, but at some positions via depth, you don't necessarily have that. So, um, I it's I'm looking forward to seeing how training camp begins to shake out. I, I really am. I gotta admit, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you've uh, got something to say, say it. Would love to hear from you. Our friends at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino say, hey, don't forget tomorrow. 400 grand cash and prizes. They are making it rain like boulders on your head when it comes to money. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Whether it's the Northern uh, Northern Lights uh, and the Dream Dance Steakhouse, whether it's Ryu, uh, which is the, uh, the Asian cuisine, the 360 bar, they've got terrific food. The sports book is now open. The uh, bingo is open, the hotel wide open and ready to go. Great weekends, great times, great people, great place. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com for Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Kemps.com. Kemps, uh, they've been around a long time in the uh, Cedarburg area. And uh, they got a lot of dairy products. Everybody knows Kemps, right? And right now they're looking for CDL drivers. They're looking for production people. They're looking for maintenance technicians. And the best part about it with Kemps, uh, they're paying top dollar right now. 23 bucks an hour plus in a lot of different areas. And sign-on bonuses are being offered at Kemps as well for specific positions. So if you are looking for a, a good company to work for, a career and not just a job, go to Kemp's.com and click on the word careers at the bottom of the page and fill it out, and they would uh, give you a call back because they're doing a lot of interviewing right now. Again, Kemp's.com, K-E-M-P-S, Kemp's.com. That's Kemp's.com. Click on careers at the bottom of the page, and uh, and who knows, maybe uh, before long you are, uh, you're either a driver or working uh, at their facility at one of the technical you know services side of things, the production. Or uh, maybe you're getting that signing bonus. 
which isn't bad right now in today's day and age in the market that we live in. Kemps.com. Go to careers at the bottom of the page. Click on it. Fill it out. You are good to go. Good to go. Um, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free. Go ahead and hit us up again. 877-867-1670. Um, so what Pete Doherty said about the defense, Ben, it seems like there's options and a little bit of depth, but the room for error and and the I think more so what I gained out of that conversation was Joe Barry's got to figure it out and figure it out in a hurry and put the best players in the best position to be successful, right? Yes, and uh, you kind of have to cross your fingers and pray that that guys turn into what you want them to. Right. Because if, if they don't, most name, like Wyatt is the easiest example of that, then you could see it all crumbling. Yeah. Like that's still my focus. I, I get it, the who's going to play safety and, and the slot situation. I, I, I get all that. But still, like to me, it's about what can you actually do up front because they weren't good enough there last year. The players just weren't good enough. So mm-hmm. you, you need them to be now, which, I, I mean, it goes to – expectations I still look if you want to go big picture I I still look at Matt LaFleur and the offense as the bigger story as as where we should actually expect a good amount entering the season and defensively it's more okay who's actually on the field week one and then where do we go from there that's not my biggest focus on this team the biggest two takeaways I took from last year's defense was third down was just bad Uh, I think I think personally this defense schematically was on the field far too long because of their third and short, second and short defense. Um, it, it, it To me, it wasn't aggressive enough. Now, it, with aggression comes the chance that you take and the risk that you take in, in, in losing, you know, that you can lose those particular possessions and big plays can happen and you're always trying to prevent big plays. But it just didn't seem to me like it was aggressive enough. So that was the first thing. The second thing was... And and Kenny Clark kind of alluded to this, you know, and I know that uh, Gudikin said at the end of the season, we just didn't have enough, you know, pressure on quarterbacks. It's going to be where he can find ways to create pressure without blitzing all the time and just bringing guys from different areas. And, you know, obviously the one-on-one battles, but I wonder how much of the replacement going from Devontae Wyatt to Dean Lowry is going to make a difference. I wonder how much that makes a difference in this defense because if Dean, if, if Kenny Clark's there and he's getting his in the middle, and there are times Kenny Clark gets beat up. I, I get that. I, you know, he's he's not a beast all the time, but he's he's a very very good player. So I wonder how many times if Kenny Clark does his thing, and now you've got somebody with that you have to pay attention to, not necessarily that's getting home all the time, but you just have to pay attention to. On the opposite side of Kenny Clark, uh, I wonder how much that changes the dynamic and opens things up for Preston Smith or for, uh, say, you know, Van S or when Rashawn Gary comes back or, you know, Quay Walker to be able to get something in the gap and, and, you know, on and on. So I still, I for as much as I want to believe in the talent that's on that defense, it, to me it's it's got to be utilized in a really solid way. And I think a lot of this season is going to fall upon the shoulders of Joe Barry. I just do. Just do. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, uh, I, by all means. Now, this is uh, from yesterday. 
And uh, this was an email that was sent to me, and I, I wanted to get to this. And I said, hey, sadly, I just listened to the Joe Barry press conference for the second time, listening for anything that uh, he said intelligently that we may just have missed. Here's exactly how I feel. And I bet everybody uh, in the room left listening uh, or, or felt after listening to him, it's just kind of shaking your head that what was, I, the, what was all that about? Dennis says, have no confidence in Joe Barry. Hopefully there's more on the field than there is in the press conference. Well, I've seen co- – I mean, look, the worst press conference in the world is Bill Belichick, and he's a brilliant coach. Uh, I've seen Sean Payton's postgame pressers. Shanahan, on the other hand, you take a guy like Shanahan who's had success, uh, you know, sustained success, that guy will tell you everything. <laughs> you know, he tells you everything. He does everything but show you the uh, the x-rays. You know, Green Bay, you don't even know if a guy's hurt. Uh, you know, hey, Kenny Clark, we saw his ankle sideways. Well, Kenny Clark who? Oh, we, we don't have any Kenny Clark here. You don't even know he exists in Green Bay. Shanahan's showing you where the break was. Oh, yeah, this is terrible. Look at that. It's in an L shape. So, two clearly two different philosophies. You you take a guy like uh, like Andy Reid. Andy Reid is cautious, but he's honest. He's boring in his pressers, but what he does in the field, the way he coaches his guys, you know, he's he's very loved in that locker room and very respected and very well followed. And he puts his guys in positions to be successful. So, press conferences as much as we we either want to laugh at, critique pick on whatever because that's what we do um to me it's all on the field you can have the most meek soft-spoken you know guy and yet he's aggressive good philosophy you know Matt LaFleur first couple of years I mean Matt LaFleur's is as soft-spoken as you know morning soggy toast but he was really good offensively early on and he took control of this team and I appreciated that I am anxious to see what he does and how he takes this team back from over the last couple of years and what I believe to be the erosion because of the Aaron Rodgers factor in all of this. And when I say erosion, I'm talking about the erosion of kind of the looking at him as the authority guy. And again, I, I, if Matt LaFleur, if you're listening, which I don't think he is, but that that first year, two, three games into the season, whatever it was, Rodgers rolling out to his right, looking, 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 guys wide open in front of him, two guys wide open down the field, and he's got Devontae in double coverage and looks and looks and looks and looks and looks and then throws the ball away. And Matt LaFleur came running down the sideline aggressively in his face, you know, and Rodgers holds his arms out like, what do you want me to do? And Matt LaFleur yelled at him, and you could see it, you could hear it. He said, throw the effing ball. And I went, yeah, that that guy has got it. That guy has got apparently a good offensive mind, and that that's a guy you can respect because he's basically telling his guy, do what you're supposed to do. And then over the, a period of years, it just, just eroded away, man. So hopefully he gets that back this season because I'm, I'm really anxious to see if he can do that. 877-867-1670. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. 
Got some good stuff coming up with our friends at Steel Tank Brewing out in Oconomowoc, right behind the Exonia Bank off of 67. And uh, we're going to be working with them, doing a little bit more. But uh, their food, open for lunch, by the way, uh, Tuesday through Sunday. But the food is fantastic, and all unique beverages out there. Dave, who is the brewer, uh, really good. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of tapper lines, so to speak, within a five-mile radius, ten-mile radius of Steel Tank. But uh, they're growing, and they're uh, uh, a known entity in the Oconomowoc Lake Country area, and they continue to get bigger. And the big music venue, which is going to open uh, on the backside of that property, going to be really cool. So if you get a chance to get out the Steel Tank Brewing, man. Uh, stop in and tell Dave hi, and I will see you out there very, 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 very soon. And we got some good stuff. Wink. Brewing with Steel Tank. Wink. Just to let you know. Keep it, keep it, keep it in the back of your mind, because good things are going to happen with our friend from Steel Tank for sure. Um, this one is from, uh, this one's from uh, Arthur, and Arthur says, uh, hey, guys. Uh, I feel that Joe Barry is getting the raw deal. Last year, the players didn't play well. They had some injuries to deal with. You lose your best pass rusher, Rashawn Gary, and he's supposed to make lemons out of lemonade or lemonade out of lemons. Uh, he says that I think Joe Barry is a good mind, not a great one. I wish he was just more inspiring. Arthur, I appreciate that. I uh, thank you for your opinion. I don't think we're too hard on Joe Barry. And I, let me say this. I, all throughout last season, uh, when Joe Barry was getting crushed, I said, wait a minute. His defense was really good the year prior. I, not really good, but it was it was much, much better than what people had given him credit for the year prior. They played well then. What makes it so different between then and this past year? You know, obviously, Rashawn Gary goes down with injury. You didn't have Zadaria Smith there anymore, uh, who was kind of like the internal leader, even though during that season he was pretty much banged up. It just seemed like Devondre Campbell had a down season last year. Preston Smith had a down season last year. Uh, and then as I watched the season unfold and I became more and more frustrated with third down and second and short aggressiveness, that became something that is scheme philosophy, whatever you want to call it. And he was asked about it numerous times. And then when you had Gray, who was uh, one of your coaches, your defensive coaches, say, uh, don't ask me about the philosophy of the defense. You'd have to ask Joe that. And, and instead of kind of backing up his guy, he decided to say, that's not me, ask Joe. He wanted no part of it. He's not even with the team anymore. He wanted no part of that. It seemed like there were guys, I mean, we heard Jair Alexander with have frustration with uh, the play calling, defensive play calling. We heard other players had issues with the defensive play calling. Uh, when you start to have that kind of, you know, the, the showing of cracks, if you will, with those behind the scenes and those that are actually executing the plays that they don't necessarily believe in what you're calling, you got to take a look at the defensive coordinator. You can't not. And even this offseason, even this offseason, when Brian Gutekunst, at the end of the season, and in the presser down in uh, Indianapolis, when he steps away and says, look, we got talent. There's talent here. We got, I mean, he's basically looking right into the camera or into Joe Barry's eyes and saying, I've given you good players. You're screwing it up. And he gave Matt LaFleur the ability to say, hey, for continuity's sake, we're going to let you keep them. We're not going to force you to make a move, but... 
I've done everything I can to step away from protect the protection of Joe Barry. Now you're on Joe Barry Island. And Joe Barry knows it. The Packers know it. LaFleur knows it. The fans certainly know it. This year has got to be better. So I don't think the criticism, maybe some of the sarcasm and such, I understand that. Everybody's got their opinion. But the criticism, I don't think it's unwarranted at all. Not at all. I I think philosophically, like I said, I want to see. If you're going to go down, go down swinging. I remember saying that last year throughout the latter portion of the season. You know, if you're going to go down, go down swinging. Don't go down playing scared and backing up and, you know, playing not to lose. Play to win. Play to get the ball. Play to get a pick. Play to get pressure. Play to play to, to hit somebody uh, right across the jaw. And they didn't do that a lot last year. It wasn't until they started making better adjustments in the second half of the season that the defense started to play a little bit better. So uh, I appreciate the email, but I would do I would uh, disagree just a little bit. Um. Mike says, uh, speaking of bad press conferences, ask Ben about Nick Sirianni's first presser as an Eagle. <laughs> ben? Not good. Nope. Not good. Not good. But it was over Zoom. It was weird. You could tell he right. wasn't comfortable. He was talking into a monitor, and he gave a long diatribe before he took questions. And it, it didn't feel very relaxed or normal, I'd say. Right. So there's an asterisk. Plus, then he started okay. winning. That tends oh, yeah. to make it not matter. I think winning, winning is the ultimate deodorant. We've talked about that a thousand times. Well, you speak of Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid comes from the Paul Chris school of dealing with the press, where he just <laughs> right. doesn't give a damn. But everybody who's ever been in the locker room with Reid or Chris, Loves they him. say he's a completely different guy. Yeah. Loves him. Yep, I get it. Uh, I, I Andy Reid... If he was in the Paul, he's he's Andy Reid is doing a song and a tap dance and a magic trick, and he's wowing the audience. If you want to compare Andy Reid's pressers to Paul Chris pressers, Paul Chris pressers, there was not much there to nosh on. It, it, it was well, you never I, had what, to I, transcribe them, right? <laughs> because it just it, they were just blather. I don't know how to put it. I know I'm not sitting here dancing on the grave of, of Paul Christ, uh, the the coaching grave. But there was times I'm like, is is he putting coherent thoughts together? I mean, I know where he wants to go, but is he really traveling down the logical path within his own mind? Because if that's what he's doing in the huddle, can you imagine getting a play call like that? You know, in your headset, and Paul's calling the plays. And he's got a guy, and, uh, you know, it, let's say your headset goes out and Paul's got to relay it to the guy, uh, to your wideout, and he says to your wideout, you know, we're, we're going to run, you know, X-Cat, you know, and, and we, you know, and it can work, but, you know, you got to do it on grass with, you know, and the official is waving his arms, so, you know, on go. What? <laughs> that, was just, that was it. That was Paul Chris calling a play. It's like he just runs to the huddle and he goes, I don't know what we're running. Just just do something because I, I coach is locked up over there. You know, so, oh, 877-867-1670. We got more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
America this coming uh, this coming Friday. We're going to be down there. And uh, are up there and uh, down there, Union Grove, Wisconsin, the oldest continuously operating track in the world, is open. Season passes on sale, 262-302-2138 at greatlakesdragaway.com. You can even rent the track for a couple of hours, for an entire day, whatever your heart desires. And check out our friends over there at greatlakesdragaway.com. Roy and the gang, happy to accommodate. Head on down for all the different, uh, the nationals, all the different nationals they have going on down there, whether it's racing funny cars, stock cars, street cars, motorcycles, you can do whatever, and you can go see it all up close and personal. Great Lakes Dragway, Union Grove, Wisconsin. Call them 262-302-2138, or just simply go to greatlakesdragaway.com. That's greatlakesdragaway.com. Um, this, one, this is from Jake. Jake says, uh, hey, guys. I think the key to the defense is whether or not Stokes can actually come back. If he can come back and then we've got two solid corners, things can change dramatically because that gives you an extra second for the defense to get to the quarterback, therefore more quarterback pressure, therefore more sacks and or interceptions. That then gives the opportunity back to the offense to have another bite or two at the apple per game. Well, first of all, that means you know per game is pretty high up there i i just settle for just getting off the field on second and you know third down second and short becoming a third and long and getting off the field on third down that that would be you know like my preference to be honest with you um thomas uh, then says uh the problem was we couldn't stop the run or pass but made up for it uh by not tackling so oh yeah we were okay that's the old john mckay saying back back when he ran the uh, tampa bay buccaneers you know uh, what was it? What was the quote? He said. Uh, one of the writers asked him, "You know, John, can you talk about the execution of your team?" And he looked at the writer and said, "I'm all for it." So, one of the best lines ever. Something to that effect. Uh, I know Ben, you weren't around at that point in time. That goes back to when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were wearing the creamsicle uniforms. Just an FYI, which were hideous. I can confidently terrible. say. Yes, they were terrible. The San Francisco Giants had their City Connect things on last night, yeah. and they look like creamsicles. They were they were disgusting. I don't know where light orange comes in no. the, the Giants' color scheme. It never has. It was an abomination. The, the City Connect. Uh, my, my question is, oh, by the way, speaking of throwbacks, did you see that the uh, Houston Texans are going to wear the old Houston Oilers uh, uniforms this year? I did, and, and that's cool. I like that. That I like, like that a lot. I, the whole City Connect thing, uh, every team's doing it. I don't necessarily understand it. And the reason why is because when you go on the road, you have the name of your city written across your chest. Aren't you connecting with the city when you wear the city of the you know place in which you play? I, I don't know. Well, it's a cool I, I jersey to sell. That's, that's why. I was just going to say, they do these things. to Because I went into the Brewers Pro Shop uh, on Sunday. I remember when the Brewers, you had your choice. You had the dark hat with the M with the wheat. You had the throwback hat, which was the old MB logo. Um, and then there was one other hat. And then every now and then you could get the leftovers from St. Patrick's Day when they wore the green hats or something. But beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot of hats. Now, holy crap, you've got 
40, 50 hats to choose from. And I get it. Some of them, you know, with the military hat, you've got the green and the camouflage and the American flag on the side and the MB logo in green. And I get it. But it's just holy mackerel with all the different City Connect jerseys and all the City Connect hats and game-worn stuff and pullovers and jackets and holy crap. It's it's just overwhelming. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I guess it's to each his own, and everybody's got their preferences to what they want. And then, obviously, you get into the the pink, all the pink stuff for, uh, you know, Mother's Day, breast cancer awareness, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they do it in the NFL, too. But it's just whatever they can stuff into the pro shop, whatever is suddenly deemed as cool, whatever begins to sell, just a way to make more money. And on one hand... I'm just so against it because it's it's me screaming, get off my lawn, and that's what it is. But uh, it also makes money for the team that I root for, and if it keeps them viable, then I'm all for it. And I can't really – the same thing with the name change. I mean, people got all bent out of shape about, you know, no longer it being called Miller Park, and I'm just like, are you stupid? M- Miller didn't want it. Miller didn't want to spend any more money on it. Why would you not support somebody, a, t- a company that comes in and says, we'd be glad to give your team money to keep them viable? <laughs> support them in a heartbeat. Doesn't mean I'm buying their buying their insurance, but I'll certainly give them the props for coming in and taking over the, the naming rights to a stadium that otherwise would not have naming rights and keeping it for, with, with a company based in Wisconsin. So I, I never understood that. So if it makes my team money and they become more viable and we suddenly see maybe a free agent or two coming into the market because of the money being spent in the pro shop and the totality of all the, the coinage going into the pot. I'm good with that. No problem. But yeah, the, uh, the throwbacks, some throwbacks are pretty cool, but the city connect stuff is just getting weird. Just getting weird. And the powder blue MKE funky logo that they put out. In the, and I know that's popular now um, in the city. Cause you see them almost everywhere walking up and down the streets in Milwaukee, but don't uh, I know the Bucks did it with the Cream City and stuff, and then they did the blue for for you know the the state and the lake and the recognition and size. So, so I get all of that, but yeah, it is what it is. That's all the money for the Jackson Cheerio extension in ten years, <clears throat> right? They finally, decide to pay somebody. Okay, <laughs> he's going off in the minors again. By the way, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. At what point do you think they actually bring him up? He's in what, Biloxi right now? Double A? I think so. He's like 19, I think. Yeah. I mean, how, how, if he, you got to assume, you got to assume if he's in Double A Biloxi, you got to assume that he's going to be it with the, with Triple A Nashville to, if he keeps raking this way, you got to think that he is going to be. At AAA next year at the age of 20. You got to think. Because I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, I thought he, he's now with AA Biloxi. I could yeah, be he's wrong. in AA. Yeah. Oh, they can't bring him up to AAA. He'd be taking a bats away from Keston Hira. He's going oh, crazy. Oh, Keston Hira. Oh, he's another guy that's hitting hell out of the ball. The career... I keep thinking of him as Crash Davis hitting his career dingers in the minors and doesn't really make it in the pros. 
Hey, I do want to touch base with you via the PGA Championship when we come back. Sure. Because, uh, boy, upstate New York, oof, cold. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. Another hour yet to go. We'll be back right after this.